0: Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Zee Won Chung. On this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Terrine Idea, a designer and writer currently based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Taranay attended Trexo University before moving around Washington, D.C., Baltimore, and New York City. Taranay describes these places as once having coffee shops that just sewed coffee and donuts, where you could go to a Dominican-Chinese restaurant and probably not find a piece of kale anywhere. After much traveling, Taranay received her master's in fashion design at Kenyatta University in Kenya. She is a 2016 Carol R. Brown Creative Achievement Emerging Artist, which is awarded by the Heinz Endowment and the Pittsburgh Foundation. Taranay and I had a wonderfully long and meandering conversation, and we get into a few podcasts, Taranay's thoughts on fashion, and the never-ending story of white supremacy. I thoroughly enjoyed re-listening to my conversation with Taranay as I edited the audio, and I hope you enjoy listening to it just as much as I did.
1: Don't at me.
0: Did I send it?
1: No. I just found it yesterday or the day before. Uh-huh. Um, it is Don't At Me. Don't at me, the at symbol. Oh, okay. Um it is the guy who does Dear White People. Okay. The movie and the TV show, which I actually don't like.
0: Justin Simeon? Yes.
1: That show is great. He's talking, it's all like creatives. In film and and television, I've heard mixed things about it. I don't like Dear White. Oh, that Dear White people. Yeah, I don't like oh, it. Oh, but you like the podcast. I like the podcast, uh, but okay. Dear White people, I don't. Yeah, I, I watched the movie. I watched the first season.
0: Why don't you like it?
1: Um, I don't like it because I find it to be too focused on what white people care about. I mm. mean, even the name. Like the white people are at the the center of the story, even though supposedly it's yeah yeah you know, and um, I have a problem with it's gonna. I mean, the the whole colorism. I have I do have a problem with the lead being a a um,
2: multicultural
1: um, woman, and specifically light skin, because there's so much. Of that. Um, there's so, there's like overcasting of light skin black actresses and um, like Storm... Who's obviously a brown, dark brown storm of X men. Storm of X men okay. continually gets cast as a light skinned mm. woman, and it's just like you know what? Here is an opportunity, yeah. Or um, well, you know, and she she has this and their white people. Her her boyfriend is white, yeah. But she's supposed, you know, and it just, it's just just like I don't know, like why well, can't I? To me, it'd just be more interesting if it was a. Uh, a deeper, more interesting look at right. the experience of being a black person on campus yeah. because there is a lot going on. Yeah, they kind they, they touch on some of it, but I can't help to f- but feel like it's with the white gaze is 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 the primary right concern, and I I don't care about that.
0: Yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've heard mixed things. There's one podcast I listened to, Tea with Queen and Jay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They okay. Have, they have a, they they have a segments where they call it Dear Black People. Uh, okay. And they just sort of step by step kind of give a in real time summary what they think of each scene. Yeah. But yeah, no, colorism's real. Mm-hmm. I think in Latinos at Lunch, one thing that the two hosts brought up, this was after Guillermo del Toro won Best uh. Picture for The Shape of Water. And they were saying like if you notice, like the, everyone's talking about the celebration of Mexican directors because Guillermo won, you know, um, the person who did um, who won for The Revenant, he okay. was I think I think Spanish or Mexican. Okay. If you look at them, they're all like white people.
1: Yeah, you know, they just have to be from they just Mexico. To, they just have to, be, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And then, but and we're then, not talking about like mestizo or indigenous yeah. or Afro-Mexicanos. Yeah. None of that. Yeah, no, one,
0: yeah, yeah, no one who looks. Like a dark-skinned yeah, person. yeah. Um, and then they're also saying, like, if you look at the ship of water, it's weird because, like, the Mexicans, one's played by Sally.
1: Oh, my gosh. Right? I didn't know that she's, she she's was supposed, she's supposed, supposed to be Mexican. Or she's
0: supposed to be Spanish. Uh, she's,
1: like, oh, English. Well. Yeah, she's, she's, like, yeah. Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, good thing like. she didn't have
0: to speak, right?
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right?
0: And wow. then And then they're, like, the only, technically the only Spanish man is the monster. Right, he's wow. he's the monster from South America. Okay, so he's the Hispanic Latinx person, and he's a monster. Right? Why can't he be just a person?
1: Wow. Right, and he's played by a white actor, isn't he? Was I don't he? even
0: know. I mean, it didn't matter, but it probably yeah. probably was. Yeah, it was. if I had to guess.
1: Yeah, it, it was. It was. He he's, he's in Star Trek Discovery. Okay. Yeah, very kind of tall. Lanky, yeah, lanky. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, so I don't know. I saw a recording. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought we were on a good roll talking about dear white people.
1: <laughs> I won't be getting. I, I won't be doing the costumes <laughs> for any of his films. I'm sure. Sorry.
0: No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think one of the podcasts I also listen to is WTF with Mark Maron.
1: Oh, I haven't listened to that. Yeah.
0: He's, he's pretty good. He's he's one of the earlier podcasters and he always starts his podcast just without telling the guests and then you just start oh, talking. Okay, okay. And then like there's it's always this thing where the guests is always like, Wait, are we on? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> this sort of yeah.
0: thing. But uh, I
1: feel like when when the mics are up, they're probably on. Yeah. So that's just kind of my 2nd I'm like, it's yeah. probably recording this, that's cool.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm okay. With
2: that. So, have you been? It's been, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so, right now, I'm talking to Taryn Idea, and I met I met her at this interesting discussion at the Carnegie Museum of Art, specifically about Dina Lawson and the controversy around there. And that's when I first connected with Taryn. I guess should we start off with Taryn? You want to talk about your work and what are the things that you do?
1: Yeah, so I am a fashion designer primarily, and I work with sustainable materials and incorporating in- indigenous and global adornment into contemporary. Ethical fashion. So that means that I co design and collaborate with um, Maasai women from Kenya as part of the Alogasali, Maasai Mm -hmm. women artisans of Kenya, as well as women artisans from the Oneida Indian Nation of New York, Um, Mm -hmm. specifically um, a group from a family called the Beating Wolves. And they're from the Wolf Clan of the Oneida. Uh, So we have been primarily focused on beadwork as adornment in terms of connecting it and adding it to the designs that we come up with together but also um, one of the things that I really like to do is be able to expand that to include other types of textile arts and to expand to have other communities of artisans working mm. with us so that we really have like a global collaboration that will kind of cover the whole world. Right. Um, so that's primarily what I do. Also but part of that, Diadega is like a global eco-design collaboration so how do we look at indigenous design and indigenous innovation As part of what can help us design things for the future. Mm -hmm. So, uh, also working on a renewable energy project where we would develop solar. Products that could be used both in rural community like the Maasai community of Oluwazali as well as marketing to a global marketplace that would help uh, raise money and provide on- ongoing um, economic source mm-hmm. for the ladies that are helping to design right. the solar units. Right. Also, I'm a writer. I just started writing a column for the Pittsburgh City paper yeah. that kind of covers current events and style and whatever I'm thinking about at the time. So, that's kind of a summary.
0: Yeah. Can you uh, talk more about ethically, um, well, I forgot the term. Yeah,
1: elegant ethical apparel. (laughs) Elegant
0: ethical apparel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I was trying to think about different ways of describing basically like manufacturing of clothing because that's what we do. Just buy the fabric Design the patterns, revise mm-hmm. the patterns, get approval from ske- from the sketches from 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 the from, the, from our um, design partners and business partners, and then make clothes and try to sell them. That's pretty much what we do. But all the material that we use. Is, is sustainable. So everything from hemp, denim to organic cotton, organic linen, soy, jersey, vegetable and non-toxic dyes. Um, a lot of recycled and repurposed materials as well. Um, our jewelry is made with glass beads and, mm. and recycled plastic. Right. So everything that we do, we just try to make it as sustainable as possible and also look at how it would impact the, the how, how it can impact the communities effectively and ethically so that we i try to think about uh, i try to think about it as a creative community that's linked not only by the creativity but also by culture heritage mm-hmm. economics and environmentalism right so that all these things kind of kind of play together and work together and can help benefit right the, the community in all these different ways with the women of of the community being the innovators and being this being at the forefront of, of developing this so you
0: say it's a collaboration between you and the women that you're working with
1: yeah yeah so basically we come up with a theme and the, so for example, the spring, the current collection, the spring, summer, 2018 collection is a blue collection. Mm-hmm. And that theme came from Mary Cook of the Beating Wolves because blue is her favorite color. Mm-hmm. So then I had to go. Mary Cook is. Mary Cook is from the Oneida Indian Nation. Okay. The Beating Wolves. And she is actually the woman that I met first mm. from the um, Oneida and Was the one who said "Well, Why don't you come and talk to our family Mm. And tell us about what you want to do In order to get approval to work with them Mm. Um, And so Her her favorite color is blue So she said let's do a blue collection And I was like I don't really like the color blue that much I mean I don't hate blue Nobody yeah. hates blue, but I don't yeah. love blue. Yeah. But I'm like, well, it's not just me. I'm not the only chef in the kitchen. So, yeah. like, okay, we'll do the blue collection. Uh-huh. But then I started researching it, and I asked um, the Maasai women, um, Elizabeth Kilikoi, kind of like a, our studio manager and translator for when I go to Kenya. Um, I was asking her about the color blue and what it means to the Maasai, and she told me uh, how it is – the color is connected to uh, being generous and open. Mm. So if you are a particularly generous person, the women would make you a bracelet with a special blue bead
2: wow. in the center
1: of it. So when people saw it, they would say, oh, that person is really generous. Right. And that really pr-. So I started thinking, oh, so generosity, openness. And then what is blue? The sky, the water, all these different things that, that, that connects all of us. And I started reading a book about Oneida healing and elder knowledge and traditions and one of the things that was in the book was the statement that um, the earth only has one body of water and that made me think not only does that connect to just inspirational in terms of design it's also inspiration in terms of being ethical Mm -hmm. and environmentally conscious this idea that there's not, like, all these different rivers and different oceans and everything. Right. So there's, there's really, there really is only one body of water. Right. So.
0: Right. But we don't treat it like that.
1: We don't. We don't even treat it like we only have one planet. We act like we, got like, <laughs> we, act like we have, like, 30 in the back pocket. Like, that's okay. We'll just go to Mars yeah. tomorrow if we ruin this place for us. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I try not to go to, on cruises because... It's just like, I think, what is it, like, I think my, a few miles out is International Body of Water, and no one's uh, no uh, one's keeping track, so as soon as a cruise ship leaves port, they can start dumping things in the water.
1: Wow. Right. And that's what they all do, I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know tracking. that. who's tracking? Wow. That's that's terrifying. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be on a cruise just because I need to be alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need yeah. to have more, like, space around yeah. me, but... I didn't realize.
0: Yeah, they're they're such interesting cruises. Yeah, just like you're like entering a fake universe.
1: Yeah, there was a huge, huge boat at uh, moored right outside PNC Park yesterday. Wait,
0: PNC Park? Yeah, where where was it? On
1: on on Allegheny on the Allegheny River. Oh, oh, okay. Just across, so you have like the Point Fountain, and then directly across there, you have like the the um, Mister Rogers statue around there. And it's I can't remember the name of the boat company, which is probably a good thing. But it seemed like hundreds of of senior citizens were coming off the boat, and all day long. I saw just, they were all over downtown and the North side. And, yeah. they this dude, like, and, and the boat was from Tennessee or Louisiana mm-hmm. or something. So they're just doing this whole right tour the of The coast of the U.S. or maybe yeah. South South yeah. America. Yeah. South like South America. Maybe take, yeah, the Ohio, whatever they're doing. Yeah, But um, yeah, and I was like, Wow. It was a big boat, but there was a lot of people getting off that boat That's too, a lot. I thought.
0: And, and unlimited food yes, and drink that yes. all gets thrown away.
1: Yeah. And they were being taken up in golf carts. So there's no. all those. <laughs> yeah. So they didn't even like walk off the boat up to the hotels and yeah, things and yeah. restaurants over on, on the north side. They were being picked up in golf carts. Yeah. Because why would you walk?
0: Why would you? When <laughs> why would you, you, got you walk a golf like a carts. quarter of a mile I know. or up some
1: stairs? Yeah. <laughs> or not even upstairs, because there's that whole ramp as well. I mean, there's 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 at least two options. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I assume there's a lot of different is blue is there a lot of different meanings for blue in Kenya? Like one of the things that is so interesting, I think, is each place you go to obviously a different relationship to color based yeah. on what's there. So like, yeah. I think what the Eskimos have, they say like 12 different words for whites. Right, 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 right.
1: Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's interesting because when I, it, in Kenya, there's 43 ethnic groups uh-huh. or tribes yeah. and they're also different that I get, I try to just focus on working with what the Maasai Tell me, right. and even within the Maasai, so there's there's estimated to be about a million Maasai okay. between Kenya and and Tanzania. Yeah, each group has their own kind of color story, colorway, and even what what they wear, the jewelry that they make, and what colors they use mm. in the in in the jewelry. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if. I were to say to a Maasai from a different part outside mm. of Olokozali if I were to ask them well and Ologazali blue means generous they would say oh that's weird i never heard that or yeah. it doesn't mean blue like blue doesn't mean that to us you know so and when i'm there for like larger functions cuz i one time i was there and they had a big heritage festival and Maasai from different parts of kenya came and the women that I work with could tell where other people were from based yes, on, on the, the colors that they were wearing right, and the colors of the jewelry. Right. So it's there is a lot of diversity yeah. and differences even within a group that we would from our our vantage point seems to be monolithic, like right. the Maasai. But right, right. there's so many different traditions and and everything even within yeah. the Maasai. But they've been around for. So incredibly long.
0: But you can, they, that only happens probably because um, they've been allowed to develop those traditions over time, mm-hmm. right? Because I think now things are sort of getting more homogeneous, right? Yeah. You can sort of order whatever fashion you want from any part of the world. You could also see mm-hmm. what fashion's happening in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there isn't either regionally, locally, state wise or like nation nationally, like mm-hmm. things can't, it's harder it seems for things to develop its own voice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because it's one of the things that I'm the most fascinated with the whole idea of human adornment, body decoration, that the way that we dress our bodies is something that is just a fundamental part of being human. Right. And how much of diversity and complexity and intricate adornment there's been mm-hmm. up until fairly recently. I mean, and it, it, it's interesting to watch from an outside perspective how the Maasai operate. And this is just an outside perspective. I really have only spent time in Nairobi in Kenya mm-hmm. and Gazali with like little safaris here and there. But those are the only two places I really ever spent that much time. And so I can only kind of talk about those two cities. But I feel like the Maasai are both kind of revered in one way because and, and by that, by the... Kenyans, not by outsiders. The outsiders love the Maasai because they because they represent, they they they, they look like Africans, quote okay. unquote. They look like the out of Africa to
0: the east, yeah. To the, to the, sorry, thing. to the Western white yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, oh, this is what this is what this is what Afri- Africa this looks like. Look yeah. like. Yeah, Um But in, internally, I feel like the Kenyans have a respect for the Messiah because they've been able to maintain their, their traditions more so than a lot of other ethnic groups. Mm. Um, but on the flip side, I also have seen where people say, Oh, the, the Messiah are just crazy. Yeah. The crazy Messiah. They only care about cows, you know, that kind right. of thing. And so it's kind of a, how do you balance it out? Because you have this, middle class and growing middle class and really, really, really wealthy that's been there for a long time as well, who has to design and defy, um, what, what it, what, what it means to be modern, what, what it means to be contemporary and what is the future of, of Kenya, of Nairobi. How do you define that based on your own terms? Mm. How do you define that based you know, using a kind of Western Eurocentric white model of right, what that right. means, right? Right. And so it's it's feel I feel like there's this interesting push and pull, yeah. um, because the the earlier iteration of that when I saw when I first went there was going to people's houses and they didn't have any African art. Mm. You know, very proud. They did not. They they, did they, not. They, okay. And there's two. Re, I mean, there's there's two things about that. I mean, one is arguably like are is it art? Um not is it not valuable or is it beautiful, but it was it made in the way that we think of we think a rush art like yeah. it's framed you put it on a wall. Or is it something that has cultural use? significance. Yeah, and that yeah.
0: Isn't, that isn't confined to a white wall.
1: Yeah. And not knowing who made it what what it was for, do you bring that energy into mm. that room. Right. So that's part of it. Part of it is just I don't know what the statue is for. Yeah, I don't know who made it. Yeah. Maybe it has someone's spirit, or maybe you know, it's it 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 will curse you know our firstborn. Like we all know what that is. So, yeah. don't so that's yeah. one thing. The other side of that is, look at this beautiful painting of a of a English landscape. Right, right. You know, so it's like yeah. this is the what this is what art looks like. I've seen it in the movies. I can do the same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um. So it is a kind of interesting. Thing, yeah, um, to see those like those two ju- juxtaposition, push and pull, and then of course you have people who are just like, well, I'm going to incorporate all of this. So I'm mm-hmm. going to have contemporary African art. I'm going to have traditional African art. I'm going to bring it all in because th- I'm really proud of it. And if it wasn't important, if it wasn't valuable, the yeah. world wouldn't be copying it. It wouldn't be in the British museum. It wouldn't be at the Met. It wouldn't have been stolen and not returned. Like this yeah. has value to everyone. Yeah. So let me celebrate that. Right. But it's, uh, it, it feels like it's all in transition. Yeah. It's all in transition.
0: Yeah. And you think, what do you think the future of that would be?
1: I think a lot of it has to do, like with how so many other things, with economics. Mm-hmm. What I, and it was so difficult because as an American there, it was a lot of, there was just a lot of tension around, around like the difference between African American, or I would just say black American. Um, I wouldn't say African American and and Kenyans, Black Kenyans. How would you describe that difference? Um, well, it was always. I would say there was always tension, but there was the, I would have situations where, um, a lot like people would think that I was faking my accent, like I wasn't really American. That really? I like, was like, they,
0: what accent do they perceive you to should have? <laughs>
1: That I was actually African or that mm-hmm. I was actually Kenyan. I was trying to pretend to be mm-hmm. American because a lot of people do kind of put on this Afri- like African American kind of style. So they have like the mm-hmm. rap, mm-hmm. The, like the, a stereotypical kind of one or two different versions right. of what black Americanness ness right. is. Right.
3: Um,
1: or I remember one time I, I was on a train actually and some from from Nairobi to... Mombasa. And one guy was sitting next near me and he heard me talking about Pittsburgh. And he was like, Oh, I went to du- Duquesne. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you went to Duquesne. And so I was kind of like happily talking to him yeah, because yeah. I did not expect to meet someone, someone from Pittsburgh, of all who had been to Pittsburgh, yeah. who had been to Duquesne and on this train. And he was like, well, you don't have a Pittsburgh accent. And so he was really didn't think that I was from Pittsburgh. And I was like, yeah, I don't. I I went, I don't. I used to say pop, but then I went to Philadelphia for undergrad. I went to New York and I started saying soda. I never stopped saying soda. And I just never, I mean, I can kind of do a Pittsburgh accent, but I don't. And he just didn't believe that I was from Pittsburgh because it's like, you know, um so that happened a lot. Like, oh, okay, we believe that you're American, but where are your parents from? And I'm like, Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Were well, they Pittsburgh. do that where,
0: where they really from? Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah.
1: And then like, what well, where are your grandparents from like they really wanted to believe that somehow, some way, I wasn't uh-huh. just a multi generational American, like it it had to be something recent. They would never ask any white people this. Like white Americans never got this question. They never,
0: they never have to ask.
1: No, (laughs) No it was just oh, you're 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 American, yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, I love people who are like first generation American who are white. Yeah, yeah. But. No one ever asked them. They just inherent that the uh, American title just by nature being white. Right. Whereas I would have to kind of, they would go through this multi-generation. Like, what about your grandparents? I'm like, my grandmother's from West Virginia. My I, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to answer that. Leave me alone. I'm. I'm more, and I would just say I'm more American than anyone you've ever met. Yeah. I bet you I have been in America. My family's been in America longer than anyone, any American that you have met. And they would just, you know, they just couldn't imagine. Like, how is it possible? How is it possible? You're black. I'm like, you know, that the original American, the people on this land, were not white. Yeah, white people came after. A lot of people didn't even know that. So there's a lot of misinformation. Yes, and- they started
0: in 1400s. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And they don't even start. I don't even think they even start that far back. I think they feel what like, do you mean? know? I think fe- I feel like. Because world history really isn't taught, you know, mm-hmm. like we we aren't taught much about the world world no. history. So especially in the U.S., especially in the U.S., yeah. And so I feel like their perception is that the United States, Can- Canada, and Europe were all kind of one thing that all came up together, right? And that there really wasn't anything before, you know, fourteen hundreds. Yeah and you know the whole idea of like this new world myth which actually the new world's pro is o- is is old you have these amazing cultures and and you know hundreds and thousands of years of history and heritage and culture but that's not talked about yeah and so they'll I, they'll even say oh you mean like the red indians and i'm like well we don't actually say yeah. that way but you know first nations Yeah, Yeah. they were here, and they think that they were only there to fight John Wayne, as opposed to having this whole long history and heritage. And um, so then, for me, I don't know really where they put how they understand slavery. Yeah, how like black people existed in the Americas. You know, I had I had one guy like on the street begging. He's like, "Oh, sister, you're from America. You you should give me money. Like 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 you did well. You yeah yeah. you." And I said. Well, first of all, this is East Africa, so I probably don't have any connection to you, but we're our cousins. Okay, you're you're my cousin. I said, why don't you pay me for selling me out? Why don't you pay me for being a part of selling Africans to Europeans as part of the slave trade?
0: Because he's saying that's a positive thing.
1: No, I'm saying that instead of me giving this gentleman money oh, representing oh, Africans, yeah. that I, I should be getting money. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, because there were Africans who were actively mm-hmm. part right. of the tra- transatlantic trade. Market trade was created because you can't. I mean, I, I feel like to give white people that much power, that much say, like they re- they had a lot. There, there, there was a lot of. Help. Help yeah. going into that. Yeah. But well, does it make it any less? It doesn't mean, I'm not saying like someone is, is guilty, more guilty or not. It's just the facts of yeah. history. So, but I was, I, I made it, I had a problem with him saying that I owed him money. Yeah. Because I was somehow, I escaped Africa and became this rich America, in which I'm not. And I'm like, you, let's all like think about the whole history of it. Instead of saying that I somehow owe you something. So it was just right. a weird conversation. And that happened a That's lot. Where I so they, would didn't, have-
0: they didn't blame Europe for the f- issues caused in Africa then? Or in Kenya specifically?
1: Um, I don't. That's- my experience is that um, there's a lot of... There, there are there are words, there are terms, derogatory terms, specific, more more so in West Africa because that's where um, most of the slaves, the, the Black Atlantic, yeah, called from, yeah, yeah. But there, but there are words that are like slave or cotton picker or something like that 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 references Black Americans. Yeah. and I I think that I mean I've seen that in lots of different cultures around the world where. You don't you want to disassociate yourself from that and you don't understand the whole complexity and issues of Mm -hmm. it. Because I would give talks in Kenya and I talked about being proud of of a slave heritage um, because I, I exist and it's I have other things going on in my in my background besides that. But that to be a slave isn't to be ashamed to be a slave owner is more something to be ashamed of. But in the world that we live in, somehow the slave owner is something to value and Mm. to aspire to. And the slave is somehow at fault or weak or, you know. And I don't think that people really understand the complexity. People are imagining like the slave trade happened now where you had a cell phone. You know what I mean? Like I don't think people understand what it really meant, Mm -hmm. you know, and how devastating it was and who was sold and how people were, you know, stored and sold. And, you know, it, it, it would be like someone coming from a different planet and taking a group of people, and just like, just everyone from this building. And, the, and there's was like, there's no, we, we can't tell anyone yeah. that we disappeared. Yeah. Someone may have seen a ship. Someone may not have seen a ship. There might've been rumors that ships come from space and, and still people. And it was targeted people. too. It's targeting yeah. a very Yeah. We want engineers group. or we want, you yeah. know, whatever. We want the strongest. We want the youngest. We want whatever. And what that would mean if it's happening like on masse or a King took whole rival, Rival families and 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 groups out, like we're gonna okay. All these people who 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 want me to not be the king or the chief, take all those yeah, guys. Yeah. And it was all these different systematic things that happened that people don't really understand how complex right. and devastating. I
0: mean, it goes ties back. It to, was ties back to colorism.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because,
0: like, I think when I, I visited the um, African American Museum in DC, mm. and I have you been there?
1: I haven't been it's there so yet.
0: So intense. Yeah. But at least when you when I go there, you go in this huge elevator and you travel three floors down, and okay. um, you get off, and there's no bathroom from the basement to the top, so you sort of have to walk your oh, way through okay. through this um, through the history of slavery, mm-hmm. and they're saying that slavery was the first instance of slavery that targeted race. Mm-hmm. They're saying that before that it was through the spoils of war, war, which wasn't yeah. targeting races, whoever won the war. Yeah. And eventually, you know, whoever their family was, they either die out or mm-hmm. um, something would happen. But starting the 1400, that became, slavery became a way that was based off the color of your skin.
2: Yeah.
0: Right, And then so the effects of colorism that we talked about earlier uh, that happens in all cultures yeah. is from that, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's striving for lighter skin mm-hmm. which is a result of the european-centric mm-hmm. idea that they're God they had the god-given rights to <laughs> own yeah people or see see others who are not white skinned as less than people right? Yeah. and you see that in Asian cultures like you know you see that the effects of that in in Africa and Mexico Spain mm-hmm. South mm-hmm. America Central America
1: yeah you yeah it's 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 amazing yeah it's and I didn't think it would be happening and i'm i'm glad i didn't i wasn't raised with that that being that being a part of how we were raised Mm. um and i didn't really understand how bad it was until i was in college Mm. because growing up i never i don't remember ever hearing like light skin dark skin i remember Someone saying like good hair, bad hair, depending on the texture of your of your hair, if you're black. Like how curly it is. Yeah, yeah. and my dad saying everyone has good hair. Mm. Everyone has good hair. Mm. And that was enough for me. I was a little kid. Well, that's yeah. everyone has good hair. Because yeah, yeah. you're little Your dad and mom says something. You're just like, okay. Yeah. So that's how I, that's what I believe. So even when I, I remember being at Drexel and someone was asking me to describe somebody. Uh-huh. And they said, well, is he light skinned? Is he dark skin? Like what? And I'm like. And I really it, it, couldn't yeah, identify because yeah. I'd never distinguished. Yeah. I was just like, well, they're black. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But unfortunately, I, I learned how to do that, yeah. to identify people based on the, the gradients, yeah. you know, and um, it's just disappointing yeah. because I just think, I think, I mean, to, to use a cliche, I think black is so beautiful. Yeah. And um, I even, to the, it was know sitting outside and get like let me get a little extra brown a little bit of brown (laughs) I have my sunscreen on but you know yeah yeah just uh get my get a little get a little toastier yeah I just think I look nicer when I have when I'm when I'm darker yeah but
0: yeah yeah I it's sad yeah
1: I don't know how we break that
0: I don't know keep talking about it yeah right
1: yeah I think we have to, yeah, we have to keep talking about it. And I think, you know, it, it does go into like how, how people are represented. V- visuals make a big difference. Yeah. And just kind of seeing different shades of people, at different places all the world as yeah. like beautiful and, and important and smart and all these different, yeah. so you don't have to go, oh, well, I never really thought about, this you know the sexy lead, lead Leading man looking like this yeah. You know um, because so often I'll see a movie and I'm just like wow They're really trying to convince me that This average looking white guy Or this average looking white it's woman cool. is So gorgeous yeah. and you know We are going to send fleets Into the ocean and we're going to Start wars in order to or whatever And I'm just mm, like yeah. <sighs> Okay Okay <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know how long it'll take, but right, they say the future is brown, right? Yeah. Eventually, I I don't know, we'll see how long it takes. I don't know. Probably not in my lifetime. I
1: love the spectrum. (laughs) I want want there to be a whole spectrum. I mean, nature has so much, nature is like a spectrum of, a whole kaleidoscope of colors. Yeah. It never, I can't imagine it working. With a small range. Yeah. And I, I just feel, I just, I, that that would make me sad. I want to see the, like, super pale blonde hair, blue eye. I want to see the, like. Sickly
0: looking. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I want to <laughs> yeah. see that. And I want to see, like, the seven foot blue, black, you know, Sudanese yeah. Dinka. Yeah. yeah. You know, just, I want all of it because it's all so interesting. Yeah. And so beautiful that it's. It's a, it's a shame that we have to constantly put things in a hierarchy instead of instead of a circle where Do you it's think all beautiful. We could reach
0: a state where we have those hierarchy or have differences in our skin color and not have hierarchy in society. I think because I feel so. like I feel like you can't break that cycle without everyone becoming brown. That's in my yeah. mind. I don't know.
1: I think. I think you can, yeah. but only because I. Th- and I think part of the reason why we can is, I, be- I think that I think because the the binary is 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 being destroyed, right? Slowly, it's slowly, so, so slow. But it's still, but it's happening, right? Yeah. So I feel like that that line, that either or, mm-hmm. is 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 being dismantled, and that's going to be part of of ending this thing and I think but I also feel like it'll have to also depend on on religion and spirituality mm-hmm. where I that's where I I'm afraid that we might get stuck because there is this sense of like dark is bad and light is good and the light and the dark and yeah. as opposed to light and dark is just being something that are balancing elements and neither one is good yeah. or bad and you can't have one without the other. Right, right. Um, and there's nothing, there's, there's negative and positive of, of, of both. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that kind of that hierarchical, and it is kind of like the Abrahamic religions, right. Mm-hmm. That are part of the challenge of really cre- of thinking about, I, I think about, in terms of our design work, I think about like flat earth thinking instead of round earth thinking. What do you mean? So flat earth is being this kind of, this, this this hierarchy and it's unsustainable and it is flat because you're tracking on a line. Okay. You're kind of saying good, bad. Right, right. As opposed to round earth thinking, which is like the one body of water. Right, The right. wind and the atmosphere. And it's not like, you can't stop it right, because right. you decide that, this is my country or this is yeah. my space. And, yeah. you know, that wind isn't going to come here. Yeah. So I think like, because the only way for us humans to survive on earth is to really adopt around our thinking and the sustainable thinking, which in its nature is not hierarchical. No. Then I think we can make it. I don't know. will see. I mean, in my mind, it's, well, it works. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah.
1: Of course, I'm not. You know, I'm not the I'm not the emperor empress of of Earth. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a short sidetrack. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Um, I guess hour. I only I only had one other thing, which is again, I thought it was so fascinating that you got asked uh, when you're in Kenya. Where are you really from? Because that's like a joke among a lot of Asian Americans okay. in America specific. Well, I'm not maybe maybe it happens in Europe too. Okay. But like people asking where are you from? And like for me it be like, uh Long Beach, I was born in Long Beach, California. And yeah. Like, no, 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 where are you really from? You know, and yeah. and um but it's it's like I don't know, it's one of those like yeah, just a running joke that a lot of Asian people talk among themselves about.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: but I guess for like uh, I guess the way I see it the annoyance of that is white people never get asked that, and usually it's a white person asking it. so that's why it was yeah. but in your situation that was sort of different because it was people from Kenya asking you but they wouldn't ask white people also so, yeah, there, was they like the, so there was like this sort of reversal almost yeah yeah, yeah.
1: It, all, it still all comes from a, a white supremacist yeah of course framework and 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 you know, I'm so grateful to writers like Bell Hooks yeah. for, for talking about that because she talks about it's white supremacy, not racism. Is that, that's the issue because you can be any color and be a white supremacist. Yeah, yeah. If you think that white people are superior to other yeah peoples. Yeah, yeah. And um, that question is is part of that yeah. that mythology that somehow whiteness is a real thing and that whiteness is Americanness. Right. Um, and it's sad because I see it it's just it's it's perpetuated all over the world. Yeah. Um, and I know I mean I've spent time in Europe and, 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 and it would be the same thing. Yeah. It would be, Oh, you're from the US?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. And you can kinda see them like calculating and and, and it would in The thing that also was so frustrating was just seeing the evidence of black American culture, which is really American, you know, just American culture all over the world, you know? Right.
0: Because America is sort of like the entertainment capital of the world.
1: So you would see all this stuff. I mean, I I was living in Malaysia and they had a kind of like skateboard, graffiti, MC, hip hop, um, and uh, break breakdancing mm-hmm. kind of street festival. Yeah. And that again, that's only one part of 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 black American culture, but it it's people like just all over the place. Yeah. And I would it was so amazing because it was one of the Malaysia was one of the most racist places I've ever lived in my entire life. And I'm sitting and looking at this festival of uh, basically The races
0: against Black people, black people yeah.
1: yeah. And it was just, it was amazing to see this festival yeah. of of basically black, c- celebrating that like black Atlantic yeah. culture yeah. with no reference, reference or acknowledgement from. of the importance of what black Atlantic culture is. Right. And um, it, jazz clubs in, in, in Kuala Lumpur, same thing, where mm-hmm. it just, it was, it was disappointing to see yeah. because one thing that I thought would happen, but be, traveling outside of Europe and, and North America was to kind of connect with people mm-hmm. in a way that's like, okay, we're gonna get this kind of diaspora and right. redefine it and, and, and deal with the main issue, which is like this white patriarchy and yeah. this white supremacy, this yeah. white, um, but that's not. That doesn't seem to be <laughs> No. Well, I mean, I think a lot, of, a lot of
0: people say, especially like um, light-skinned Asians are white-adjacent, right? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Because we're, in America, I'm not sure how it is in Europe, but like a lot of Asians are seen as model minorities. Right, right, right. right. And so yeah. they also think the same thoughts as a lot of white Americans, do, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is like, oh, we worked hard, so why can't like brown skin and black skin people work yeah. as hard, yeah. you know, um, and then they have, they say all the same things, yeah. you know, yeah. and like, yeah. we, we're, we don't, we feel welcome to this country, so there's no, racism doesn't exist,
1: mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm.
0: succeeded, and yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I have seen that a lot, and it's, it, it's really disappointing because that, that Really focused anti-blackness lesson gets taught so yeah. so clearly and so easily, and I I think that I mean I was re- looking up like what is whiteness and kind of figuring like how many white people really exist on the planet and not a lot yeah there's really not a lot and um <laughs> and depending on how you define it, it's like either fifteen percent fifteen percent to like twenty percent of the world population okay. is yeah, white yeah. but you know that also depends like. In the in the United States, if you're Syrian, you can Pass check white. white. You can check white on oh. the U.S. Census. So different people ch- shift and change to get the white status. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a, 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 an interesting conversation within the Middle Eastern communities as to do you
0: are you white fight or not? for
1: a white white status Mm. or do you fight for black or brown or 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 something else that's interesting um but it also goes to show you how this whole idea of color is so ridiculous because what 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 is it really right but um but i do think that there will be a time when asian will be able to check off white Mm. because that's the only way that white people are going to be able to feel like they're still in the majority.
0: I don't know.
1: I think it will happen. I'm sure there's already people checking the white box. I'm sure. Who are, who are, you know, Asian Asian descent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because, I mean, because really a lot of it just really, really, really has to do with the skin tone, the skin color. Yeah. And not so much does it have to do with any, uh, like, real element of of humanity it just right. really comes down to the shade of skin that you have yeah
0: so. and i mean also just you know europeans also created the idea of anything not white through like orientalism right yeah right yeah and orientalism included the middle east mm-hmm. you know and all of asia which is also really insane too
1: yeah yeah know? Well the, every every European wasn't even white yeah no so I mean whiteness is this this interesting creation Jesus, Jesus was brown yeah I mean right. it's I don't, just- I don't
0: know who thought that Jesus was white
1: <laughs> well they just did a study I just saw somewhere the the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill uh-huh. um just asked people what God looked like and it was like a under 40 white male yeah. Yeah, and I was like, what? Okay, that yeah. would be, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense even, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> back to going? fashion. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what's, um? yeah, what's, did we go over what the future of fashion is? No. We talk about the future, the future of maybe racial dynamics, I don't yeah. know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we can just even get rid of the term race. Yeah. Because that's also a misnomer. Obviously, we're all the same race. We're all the same race. Um, we're all human. We're all human. Uh, but future of fashion, I don't know. There's so many things that I think about. One, like the f- real the f- real future future, maybe the long-term future rather than like what people will be wearing this fall or I don't, next I, spring.
0: I just want to... I was just asking because, you know, you're talking about creating clothes that's ethically made and sustainable. And so there's this eye for the future, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I feel like it's weird because we kind of have our foot in the past and the present Mm -hmm. with the idea of still using very traditional textile crafts that are thousands of years old. The beads or different dyeing techniques, all these things are very old. Um, and I do feel like it would be sad to lose that, that, that knowledge and, and craftsmanship and arts and adoring the body because there's something about, about the way that we've done things that I think is important. But I also feel like because climate change is so devastating already, that a lot of the way that we dress is going to have to change. Yeah. So I do think that it means we're probably not going to wash our clothes in water mm. because water is going to be too precious of, of a commodity for more people with, with 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 access to more wealth, which I think is going to happen in the, as as other as, as countries, more and more countries move up in terms of how much, right the distance
0: between the the lower middle and upper class yeah. extends
1: yeah you have like a yeah so i feel like that's the idea of washing clothes and water is going to have to go away and how to really deal like even today people were walking around like there's nothing you can wear in this climate mm-hmm. that makes you comfortable and because we're just still shifting, people are used to, oh, it's summer, so it's hot, so I'm going to be hot right now. But I don't know how long we're going to be able to deal with that. Like, th- I think there's going to be a generation of people who's like, I'm going to be outside when it's 100 degrees outside and feel cool. I want that.
0: You mean like our bodies will adapt?
1: No, like our clothes will have to cool um, us okay. or our clothes will have to warm us. Mm. And um, so whether that's high-tech fat fiber, biomimicry, you know, Technology, uh, I do feel like that's going to be the future hmm. uh, of fashion. And you
0: think that you can make clothes that don't have to be washed?
1: Yeah, I think you're going to have clothes that will be. they will be like the, like microbes will be able to we'll be live in them. And in eat- the sun, the sun will do something. Uh, or are we know. close to that? Um, there are there are people working on different types of fabric, mm-hmm. um, fabric that is you know. Built from plant plant waste mm-hmm. and and clothing that can that does help you with your own body temperature um, that will keep you a little bit warm or keep you cool. Right. The water situation I don't think has really come up yet, but I do think that that's the future. Future. Right. Um, that it's a lot of waste, and the clothes are fashion is the second leading polluting industry in the world second What's the only to uh petroleum okay yeah so second only to petroleum and oil produ- production fashion comes in as number 2 hmm. so
0: and that includes like transportation costs transportation, making it
1: making it right. dyeing it yeah. the water water it's really it's a horrible water polluter hmm. um and it, not only because of how it's made, but also every time that we wash our clothes, if we have toxins in our clothing, which most of us do, whether that's the dye, whether that's actual fabric, mm. cotton is, uses a ton of of toxic chemicals in order to grow it. And in order to diet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so that is, it just, every time you wash your clothes, you're at, you're just in- introducing more toxins into the water mm. supply. Um, and also because the skin is wearing it, is yeah. Like we are breathing through our skin, mm. um, as much as we're breathing through our, 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 nose and mouth. Right. Right. And so we're literally breathing in the things that we're wearing and yeah. that, that we put on, on on our body. Yeah. So that is a huge challenge and how do we come up with something that is going to be sustainable but also something that's going to be effective for us to wear and then also hopefully individual. So that individual individual style so you can still keep your your individual style so we're not right. necessarily wearing you know Star Trek uniforms or something like that, you know, <laughs> we're just walking around because there's something about individual style and presentation which is really important and why that traditional adornment from different cultures throughout history of the world is so incredibly fascinating Mm -hmm. and how now in 2018 we look kind of boring I think yeah you think Um, so I think so I think we could do a lot better.
3: Because
0: we're all... Well, we are looking the same.
1: We're kind of looking the same. Yeah. 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 Like
0: we were talking earlier how like streetwear is now popular and ugly, ugly dash sneakers.
1: And
0: yeah. <laughs> Ikea bags.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The Ikea bags, the like Kurt Cobain checked shirts. Yeah. And you can kind of take a picture from someone from 1994 and 2018 and might not be able to tell the difference. Yeah. Whereas the history of, of clothing... It, especially here in the US or the, what is it each each decade you can tell. Like that's the twenties. Yeah. That's the forties. Yeah. That's the sixties, seventies style, 80s style. And now it's all kind of melding into like how can you can't even tell the difference. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what what we come up with.
0: Yeah. I think and now that you pointed out, I'm curious like what what this decade people will see it as.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't know. I mean, I don't read fashion magazines as much as I used to because there's so much fashion online. And there was a time when the only time I really saw fashion was in the magazine. And yeah, and although the magazines, I, I miss having, I miss that that excitement. But there, there's an opportunity for it to be really, really interesting in terms of having a mix of of inspirations, right. as opposed to the idea of if it's globalization, then only one group or one idea is at the top. Mm. But again, that's flat earth thinking versus round earth thinking. So right, the right. round earth thinking is that the current is flowing and it's hitting everything and everyone. Yeah. That to me is a lot more interesting than the idea of, oh, this is what you wear, yeah. you know. Because it does a lot of damage to people to think that their culture, their design, their very being is irrelevant Mm. because it's not, you know, in the top five global market where we wouldn't be here without each and every culture that exists now or existed before. It's all been a building block. And I think that that indigenous knowledge, wherever that comes from, if we can... Tap into that, then that I think we'll be all right. right. If we continue to kind of think that we've figured it out or that we know, and we can keep doing this unsustainable development, then we'll have to we'll have to colonize another planet. planet? But only like one percent is going to be able to go. Like, yeah, you know,
0: Elon Musk, right?
1: Yeah, Elon Musk, is <laughs> and whoever in, can pay and Wait, him. what's the name of his girlfriend? Grimes. Grimes and Elon. Grimes, Musk.
0: Grimes is dating Elon yeah. Musk. No, really. Yeah, sad. (laughs) Because I like Grimes' music. I know. I yeah.
1: Maybe they broke up recently, but they were totally dating. Like, least last I checked, I haven't checked. I wonder what their conversation was like. I'm sure they're really (laughs) deep and intense and fun.
0: I don't know. I have no idea.
1: I don't know. They were at the Met Gala together. Okay. That's all I know. I don't know. I don't know from there.
0: Yeah. Do you think? with all this mashup, how do you see, I guess, appropriation happening in fashion? Yeah, is it, is it you know? Yeah, what what are the things that are happening that I don't hear much about as as much of about it as a problem? But I assume it's a really complicated thing still. But it seems also be happening so fast that you can't actually say anything about it, right?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think. It's, it's interesting because like with a lot of things about about w- really like non-European culture and history, you know, people just have a hard time talking about it. And, and, and so I know I've done a lot of discussions about appropriation and talks about it. And what I think appropriation really is about is not giving credit. And not sharing the benefit Mm. of design ideas or work that does not come from you. Mm. That comes from a culture that has been continually ignored, attempted to be erased, and doesn't get enough acknowledgement for what they've done. Mm. So when someone has a huge brand in Paris and then want, and then basically would like look at, Oh, well, I love this design or this textile from Guatemala or from Mexico. And yeah. I'm going to use that in my collection. Okay. You can do that, but based on what, like what, what is the des- design philosophy? How are you engaging with the community that, that this er- originates from? Right. Um, how are you sharing that your platform to let people know this is from this group of people from Guatemala and it means this to them.
2: Yeah.
1: I've, you know, they, so therefore it's not just like a gown or a dress or a pair of pants or a bag, because what happens is the whole context of what it's supposed to mean gets diluted. Right. And then you're just like, Oh, this is a blah, 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 bag, bag, yeah. And it's like, actually that's not, that it it started by someone else, and the reason why it's so important to give credit is because continually innovation and and in, invention that is done by someone who is not a white man, it gets rewritten. Yeah, I mean, look at rock and roll. Rock and roll was was godmother is a queer black woman, mm-hmm. and you ne- it's like she never existed, Re- sister. Rosetta Sharp hmm. you know you have Bessie Smith mm-hmm. you have all of these amazing black women at the very founding of rock and roll right um and then you say oh the first black woman rock and roll hall of fame inductee was blah." blah, blah. and you're like the first there should be there should be like th- the first 30 yeah you know the first I'll give, the first 10 yeah, ho- rock and roll hall, hall of fame inductees should have been black women yeah should have yeah. been black people yeah and yeah. then rock and roll becomes white music come on now yeah Come on now. So that's what happens. And that's why people get angry when, you know, oh, I just like this hairstyle. Oh, I just want to wear this because I think it's cool. That's fine, white girl. But when you do that, it's... It's like you invented it. Yeah. It's like you were the one to think about cornrows as opposed to I like to wear my hair this way. My hair can do this. I'm going to braid my hair. But I understand that this braid, this style, this history, this heritage comes from blah, 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 blah. So when someone asks me, why am I wearing my hair like this? I don't say I was inspired by the Kardashians. You say I was inspired by Ethiopian braids. Yeah, I was I was inspired by Bantu. Yeah. I was inspired by, you know, yeah. like stop for a minute. Yeah. And so that's why appropriation becomes this this visceral reaction because all too often we've seen it all too often yeah. for hundreds of thousands of years. People steal ideas yeah. and take things. Now the flip side of it is that there's no. It's very hard to find something that is so inherently yours, yours, and, and like sprung out of out of, out of nothingness. Yeah. I mean, the Maasai wear red, blue, and orange tartan. The Maasai do not weave. The do not dye and create fabric. Right. Their traditional "quote unquote" dress or one of the many myriad designs that they used to wear was brass rings, seed beads, which is black and white, mm-hmm. and leather. Yeah, because they were they they are basically pastoralists. They had cows. They have goats. So traditionally, they they were leather and and brass and these black and white seed beads. Now they're wearing multiple colored gla- glass beads. This red you know tartan this you know elaborately printed you know cotton fabric called kangas yeah yeah so and that's all been influenced from different pe- people it's influenced from the portuguese from india from other parts of east africa from other parts of asia so it's all a part of an evolution of connecting with people yeah but you have to say oh well this is inspired by these things yeah you know this masai shukos is uh, uh, I've heard was inspired by Queen Victoria and Prince Albert's right. early trip, right. you know, to the through the Commonwealth, whatever, or the Empire. I guess it was the Empire then. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Um, so just having that understanding and heritage, and of course, if the Messiah are wearing tartan, they don't have the economic and cultural power to take anything away from the Scottish. If that's where it comes from, right? They can wear it to the. Literally till the cows come home, which is what they do. Yeah. And it, it hasn't affected Scotland at yeah, all. Yeah. If it was the other way around and people in Scotland started wearing something that the Messiah wear, then that would totally tip all because right. power and influence, economic and 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 that platform is what ultimately tips the appropriation scale. And, you know, that's 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 a challenge. And so for us what it's about is is collaboration and learning and just me spending a lot of time just not saying a word. Um, It's complicated. Just just listening. And sometimes there's things that aren't on the table. I'll go to, I I went to the Oneida Indian nation and I had a design meeting and I saw something that I really loved Mm -hmm. and I grabbed it and, um, it was kind of like this gasp and oh, it was no. like, Oh, I looked around. I was like, well, actually that's something that only the men touch and the men work on that. Huh. And I said, oh, okay. So I had this idea that it'd be really great if we did this, like we sculpted this into a bodice for a dress and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, we can't do that because <laughs> it's associated with something that the men do. Right. And so that would be inappropriate. And I was like, Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Or I'll go to Kenya. And I'll be in the Masai community, and I'll see some really beautiful necklace, and I'll say, "Oh, I really like that." And I'm like, "Nope, that's nope. We're not yeah. going to share that. That's just for us." Yeah. It, we, you know, if you wanted to wear it, you can. But we're not going to we're, we're not going to make that yeah. for people to wear because it's yeah. just for us. I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's cool." Yeah. So everything's not is not up for grabs, and I totally respect that.
0: No, it's complicated. I am always fascinated by. The discussion and how I always thought in fashion, it sometimes seems maybe more difficult because it ends up just being something that you wear, mm-hmm. right? You know, I think of like when Pharrell Williams wore the the tribal headdress, yeah. right? Like yeah. even, you don't even know the history behind it, but you know, you don't know who gave it to him. Yeah. But there was this outcry that happened that. To me, it's fascinating in comparison to other arts, yeah. where when appropriation happens, it gets so complicated that sometimes you acknowledge that complication, and you're allowed to acknowledge it. Yeah. Or it seems like sometimes when I see, you know, like with or like with um, hair weaving or yeah. or dreads, like there's something about the wearing of it that's different
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: that makes it more maybe off the table at times. Yeah,
1: you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It, it makes it, it does make it, it makes it challenging, but I think that.
0: Unless you're white.
2: Then, yeah. Then
1: they can
0: get away, can get away
2: with it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think that what, what's so great about now is that that's like you can't. Right. Or like you have to stop and think about whether you really can. And I, I did things in the past that I wouldn't do now. Yeah. And I did say, well, I, I just really like this, so I, I'm going to wear it. Yeah. And there's some things like I, I, I love Japan. I was in Japan and I have a couple haoris and I have um, and I wear them. Yeah. I don't pretend that I made them. Yeah. I don't pretend that I invented it. It's yeah. like, oh, I was in Tokyo and I got this one and I was in Kyoto and I bought this and I, yeah. and I really like it. And I and, and I'm going to wear it. So I don't feel like I can only wear things that were made. In whatever culture I'm right. supposed to be from, right. um, I will say that in the design work, I'm not going to include anything other than the Maasai community that I'm working with, and right. try to represent. I can't. I don't represent Kenya. I don't represent, re- represent Africa. I don't represent First Nations. Right. My partners are currently Oneida and Ologazali Maasai, right. and that's and that's the groups that I can. Claim. Yeah, yeah. I work with. Hopefully that will expand, but I never want to pretend that I can.
0: Be something that. Be
1: something that I'm not. Right. Or that. All right. And I will still say, well, I need, you need to ask that someone right. else. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to try to, try to speak for anyone else. Right, right. But I can just say, this is what I, uh, this is how I understand it. And this is how it was incorporated into the design. Yeah. Um, the part of history, cultural and heritage, and this is how it blends together and complements each other. And these are the different parts that we're all bringing to the table that we want to share with people. Right. So if people say, well, can I wear this Maasai bracelet or this Maasai necklace if I'm white or if I'm like, yeah, that's why it was made. Yeah. It was made for everybody. Yeah. There's other things that you can't wear that yeah. I can't wear because we're not Maasai or we're not. Oneida, right. but the things that that are that they present to me that we then design together are, is meant to be shared.
0: Right. Yeah. You're almost like, well, in a strange way, you're almost, because you live there, you were told what can and can be done, right? And then, mm-hmm. so then we brought when you bring it here, it's almost an attempt to allow the culture to happen without them just going to Kenya as, and then looking at it, um, or the country, or the people, mm-hmm. as these exotic things that they then take back yeah. with you to yeah. probably America. I guess mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Maybe Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I
0: As yeah. your work, as your work found a following in Pittsburgh.
1: Somewhat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've we've had some good some good sales, yeah. and we've had some slow sales. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's. I feel. I feel like the customer base that is my, like our like key, like meat and potatoes kind, of for lack of a better, I term is. I'm not sure where that is. Mm. I feel like it's probably in a bigger city. Yeah. Um. Because some of the some of the work to me isn't challenging, but it feels challenging and a fairly conservative, casual town like right. Pittsburgh. Um, I never, I,
0: I never like people watching in this work.
1: Yeah, there's not much, there's not much. <laughs> there's not and whenever much. I do see someone that looks great, I'm like, oh, "Well, wow, look, you look so great!" And it's they're so like, exciting. "They're like,
0: they're not from here." Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> so it's so it's heartbreaking. But it, like for me, like, I feel like I start overdressing because yeah. people are so casual. So yeah. like today I'm wearing like, this crazy sequence skirt, yeah. and like yesterday I can't remember what I was wearing something. But um, I try more so. Um, so the big Colorful jewelry The 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 dresses that maybe are a little bit more Showy I don't know how many people would wear And I get a lot of that Like oh I have nowhere to wear this Mm. And I just think like Giant Eagle (laughs) You could go to the grocery store You could just go to Like why does it have to be any kind of way But somehow Dressing nicely in Pittsburgh feels like You're being a snob Or you're showing off And you can't show off Yeah Um So I like to show off because I'm just going to keep dressing up. And, um, like I remember growing up, people would say, oh, you think you're cute? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm cute. And I think you're cute too. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's good. That's good. That's a good thing to say.
1: (laughs) I think we're all so fabulous. And it would just be like, they never really bought it. (laughs) I thought it was great. But I should,
0: I should say that.
1: Yeah. It's like, oh, you think you're cute? I'm like, yeah. And so are you. And it just. Yeah, they're just no. You're not supposed to stand out, you know. But but I do get that. I understand it because I know when I walk around, people kind of do this. Oh, what is that? You yeah, know, what's yeah. going on? I'm yeah. just like, I'm just trying to be fabulous because life is short. Yeah, but it does make. And me you can now. It's
0: I mean, it's easier now with like we we're talking about the internet and yeah, the globalization and being able to order anything from anywhere at any time.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. And Pittsburgh, the thing that Pittsburgh does have a really great, if we have any kind of retail niche, it's vintage. Mm-hmm. We have amazing vintage yeah. in Pittsburgh. What's
0: your favorite vintage shop in Pittsburgh?
1: I love Eons. Eons? Yeah. Where is that? Uh, Eons is on Ellsworth in okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they have a really, 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 really great collection. But I also love, I mean, I dig through and Everywhere. just go to the Goodwill. Yeah, which Goodwill? Um, I haven't, I, they, they've, they've shifted. What do you mean? Um, so I used to like the one on the South side. Uh-huh. It was really big. And now yep. I feel like I've the been space is big, but the selection isn't as big. And the one in Lawrenceville is not bad. The one on the North side is small, but because I live so close to there, I think I spend more time like digging through there. Right.
0: And you can easily just go in and then go out. Yeah. And that's- that's usually the best way to do it because yeah. things are constantly shifting.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But I've gotten some great stuff.
0: I always found, I, I try, I, l- I would love to go um, thrifting, but most of the time I'm disappointed because, because of my size is like, I'm okay. usually a small and the small, yeah. the rack's like
1: yeah. two inches wide. I'm yeah. like, okay, you have not,
0: there's, none of these I like. And then everything else is like large, extra yeah, large. Yeah,
1: triple extra large. Yeah, yeah. extra
0: large. <laughs> and way too many, uh you know, Steelers and Penguins. Yes paraphernalia yeah yeah Um, so i can very quickly tell
1: right yeah yeah i what when i'm really serious about it i will look at everything in in Mm -hmm. the in the place yeah and because things
0: might be misplaced a lot of times
1: things are misplaced so i i do that i don't always do that but when i have the time i'm just like, okay yeah just look at everything and that's when i usually find something really great yeah but i also love menswear so i'll wear men's I'll buy men's stuff and then alter it, so that's always an option too. Yeah, yeah. I
0: wish. Yeah, I, I, a lot of times I'll try on like a woman's clothes, just hoping, but the fit, the, the cut is always just the cut's different, a little off. And yeah. I'll like, I look at the mirror, I'm like, yeah, this won't, this probably won't work.
1: Yeah, yeah. The cut's different. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, vintage is cool.
0: What's any. Uh, plans after the blue collection that you're working
1: on? Well, actually now uh, I did the fall 2019 collection and I showed that in February in New York and here in Pittsburgh and now I'm working on the spring 2019 collection, which will be ready in September of this year because we work like six months in advance. Mm. So the spring 2019 collection is, the theme is Seven Sunsets. So it's basically this idea of the a woman one one woman's life in a week,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the seven outfits she's wearing when the sun is setting.
0: Is it based off a story.
1: It's kind of just based on a on a fictional story in, in my head, and um, the color palette is is like a sunset palette. Mm. The idea is either she's wearing the clothes from that day, or she's changing into something for clothes that she's going to wear during the night, mm. and that that moment of. Of maybe balance between mm. night and day, right? So that's what I'm working on right now, cool. and I'm not actually not not doing so. The collaboration is only with the Oneida this collection. Okay, so it's um my I'm doing all the designs, and the Oneida women are doing all the jewelry.
0: And then how does the profits get?
1: It's still going to be split, okay? because. I can't. I, I'm unable to go to Kenya because I didn't get enough financial support to go to Kenya mm-hmm. this time around. So I'm just gonna, I, and I, I just split split between the three or organizations anyway because it just seems like the, the the best way to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that makes me a little sad is that the Maasai women aren't getting like design development money. Okay. Because they get paid through design development and also sample development and making samples and then sales and then inventory. So the only so it, there since we're not doing samples together and we didn't do design collaboration together, those two because elements you're here. because I'm here. Right. Those two elements are not gonna be part of how they get paid. This right. time around, but I just didn't have the resources to go to Kenya. And but you're in contact around. with them, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a little disappointing. But I gotta kind of put out a collection, you gotta use what you got. So I'm like using a fabric that I already had, I'm not buying any new fabric, yeah, um,
0: remixing and reusing, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I'm using vintage fabric, I'm using some fabric that, that I had that I bought from past collections, yeah, just kind of like. Okay, let's do this collection. Yeah. I must have new beads for, uh, for for the jewelry, but that's that's about it. Everything else is just gotta make it work.
0: I mean, I need I have like a video that I have no idea what's it gonna be, but it's just gonna be all the footage that I haven't used.
1: Okay. <laughs> so how what kinds of I'm trying to think of like how I'm gonna ask this without sounding stupid.
0: How do you we can we can you can re ask many
3: times?
1: How do you go about developing? Like, how, how do you approach the video work? Mm. Is it is it visual and narrative? Neither, or both? Does it depend? Could you Depends. do a video that just is just like I just care about how it looks? I don't. I'm not trying to tell a story. Oh, or, ooh,
0: uh, I think ultimately there needs to be a story, at okay. least for me right now. Okay, I think. I think if it's just visuals, it gets too, too abstract mm-hmm. and turns away a lot of people,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I think, and there's been enough, there's been enough, there's been enough non narrative abstract, both films and art films, and I've experienced them and I find them a lot of times be tedious
2: Okay, for <laughs> me to
0: watch. Like I'll watch it, I'll get into it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, watch it because I'm interested in how it affects me as someone who's perhaps sitting and watching a film for ten minutes or thirty minutes of something that's mundane. I'm interested in that, but it's I also acknowledge that I am doing it because of my love is like me acknowledging the history of art okay. and trying to see it through that lens. But that's not something I think most people see it. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed of art video arts video artworks that I like that I think a lot of other people like are also narrative. Yeah. you can be abstract with narrative. It doesn't have to be a once upon a time and then end with like a, you know, nice neat little bow tie. It doesn't have to be that. Mm -hmm. But I think having some sort of thread, especially if it's time-based is my way of not trying to make something so difficult. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like which – you know, how that story comes about can – often comes about organically and in different ways. So mm-hmm. like I did a piece called The Florida Man and that was when I was in Florida and I heard about um, this myth called The Florida Man. Do you know about it? Yeah. It's about – it's. there's all these new stories and I think that I've re- I researched it and it was because in Florida – they have one of the most liberal laws in terms of um, public access to certain things. And one thing that you have access to in Florida, or I guess anyone is the um, police reports of things that happen almost immediately. Oh, so wow. you can call the police, the any police station inquire about an arrest that was made and you can get a certain number of information about that. And so because of that, there's all these strange headlines of like Florida man doing, and then insert something really crazy, problematic, yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of became a Florida man meme.
2: Wow. Okay. Um, okay.
0: Atlanta, the show has, has an episode devoted to that. Okay. <laughs> so after I made the piece, people were like, "Did you seen this Atlanta episode? I was like, no. And then I saw it. Uh, so now more people know about it. but So okay. then I heard about that story before ever making the video. And I, I was attracted to one particular story. And then so I went to the location of that story and then started filming. Wow. So that piece came that way. Another piece I filmed first uh, when I was in Aspen, I filmed this piece of me in a bunny costume. And then I then started looking at mythologies about rabbits. Yeah. And then yeah. so that was sort of this inverse of the story where the story happened based off the visuals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they all have, you know, different ways. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's really cool.
0: And I also, and I, and I tried to, you know, I, I always tried to give myself difficulties in terms of the process mm-hmm. because I used to make videos where I'd shoot the film uh, or I'd think about the video for a long time until I had it all in my head and then I'd shoot it and it'd become, it would come out exactly as I sort of imagined it. So, okay. Right. I think that's how. Alfred Hitchcock, like he, yes. he claimed, <laughs> he claimed that the most boring part was the shooting because he had everything else already planned, yeah, and it just yeah. would come out. And it's easier; it was sort of easier for me because a lot of times it would just be me in front of a white wall, so it wasn't oh, as okay. complicated or single shot. But then, as I started being attracted to certain artists, so some of the artists I like are like Hito Stero, Rachel mm. Rose. I knew based on how the the footage that they were getting that a lot of it was just them filming a lot mm-hmm. like I, you know you see a video of like a girl running across the street and it was like shaky and I was like I knew they weren't really thinking about how this video would end up they were just shooting for shooting's sake yeah and then they'd figure out how to do it after <laughs> I'm sure there's a mix sometimes they do know or like they shot a lot and then they then went back out to shoot more so they all there's the the creative process is a little more convoluted but I'm so like when I shot the bunny video, like I purposely knew that I didn't know what the story was and it put it kind of forced me down a path mm-hmm, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And then like how do I then creatively deal with that corner that I've put myself in and learning about that? And sometimes it doesn't work out well. Like it has I have some footage of me in a Nixon mask mm. and then looking back, I'm like, Nixon's such a charged figure that I can't do anything. I have to acknowledge it. Yeah. So I'm, I am really put myself in the corner. <laughs> so that, that footage is sitting somewhere and I, I need a I think I need to read like a Nixon biography or something, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't have as much leeway, I think, with that footage. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So do you think about how it's going to be viewed or how it's going to be experienced as you like, as you're finishing it? You know, is it going to be like installation? Is someone's going to look at it on a website? Is it going to be in a gallery or? I how? think it's
0: mostly for a gallery. Okay. And pro- probably a website because, mm-hmm. you know, most of the videos exist digitally. But I do think about pacing. I do think about timing. Most of my videos are about five minutes to 15 minutes. Okay. So they're not, they're not really a huge time commitment. And then the... The two, art, the two artists that I mentioned earlier, a lot of their videos are about that length. Mm-hmm. You know, I've sat through, I'm sure you've sat through like hour long art videos <laughs> and that they're, they're just difficult, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to be difficult, but I do also like the abstract nature. So I feel like my compromise is like, you could probably sit here for five minutes, you know, mm-hmm. five, 10 minutes. Yeah. It's not, and then if I make it, if I make it visually stimulating enough, hopefully that's sort of a hook also to let Mm -hmm. you enter the space. But I also acknowledge that we live in an Instagrammable world where like if it doesn't catch your attention in an instant, then it probably won't ever catch your attention. So it's a constant push and pull.
1: Yeah. So that is kind of interesting because there is something that the speed in which we consume images have changed so much. Yeah. So do you think that if you think about like the future of what you're doing, do you feel that gallery is the is is how your work will be distributed, or is there? I think something- so. Yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, I do like sculpture. I've been sort of. I haven't had a permanent studio for a while, and so I don't. I feel like you we were talking about sustainability, and all the sculptures I've made in the past, I've thrown away because mm-hmm. I. I'm traveling like I think the last time I really made a lot of sculpture was when I was in LA before grad school and all those sculptures I had to throw away you know they're trash and so these video pieces I I think my 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 um trash blueprints is much smaller mm-hmm. I'm, you know yeah but yeah I think I mean ideally I think I my videos exist in a gallery space and if You know, if I'm lucky and I can get enough funding and my videos sell, I would like to make sculptures that accompany the videos. Okay. You know?
2: Yeah. That's right.
0: But I don't I don't wanna make these sculptures that I keep throwing away. (laughs) You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that.
0: But We'll see. I don't know. Videos, you know, videos weird. A lot of people don't buy it. People mm-hmm. even in the art world still are like, how do you buy it? What do you buy? Yeah. I think a lot of video artists don't know either. Some people just put everything online. Some people just put clips. So far I've been putting clips. I don't, I haven't quite figured out what I want yet yeah. either. So I just put a uh, small excerpts and the full videos are sort of these private links, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Is this, so how, yeah, because how would you maintain your ownership and the inability for people to copy it or to right. share it? Yeah,
0: it's something. Yeah, I mean, that's why a lot of people oftentimes just put film stills or a clip,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like the woman, Rachel Rose, uh, she had all her stuff on Vimeo and then as soon as she got gallery representation, everything was taken
3: off, mm-hmm.
0: right? So you yeah. only can see her work in... A museum
3: institution, okay. okay,
0: and so she's in a sense creating a market for herself, whether that's good or not. I don't know,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and
2: okay.
0: no one quite knows, no one has figured it out. <laughs> sometimes I think, like, man, sometimes it's easier just like make a painting, yeah, I don't have to question it. <laughs> no one questions me, how do you what do you do with it? Because the answer is you hang it above a yeah.
1: couch, yeah, <laughs> you hang it above that's the couch. answer, that's what you do, yeah. That's yeah. where paintings go, or sculpture. Like couch. You,
0: you put it. You put it in an open space, and, yeah, or next to the couch, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to accompany the painting,
1: right? You matching, know. yeah, matching the, make yeah. get like, the right color the couch. It's interesting because I I know that fashion, the fashion industry is completely in disarray and trying to figure out what to do, fashion and retail. Yeah, because um, the idea of who. Where do you sell? How do you sell it? How do people see your stuff? And um, you do have access to everything, but then it becomes more opaque Mm. and it becomes more impersonal. You don't know where it's made, how it's made, who's who's making it. Yeah. And it wasn't that long ago that you knew exactly who made your clothes because they were probably in your family. Right. Or it was the dressmaker down the street. Yeah, yeah. And it really it wasn't that long ago, and now it's people don't even know how clothes are made. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I mean, think there, there's something about walking down to the store and looking at stuff that I think is really fascinating.
0: Like a clothing store. Or- yeah. yeah.
1: Or anything. Just be able to lift it up and hold it up and having interaction besides besides a computer screen. Mm. And I think that. Um, the idea of online shopping is fine. I, mean, I have a site and I would like people to order things online, but then I think it becomes a question of how many people really have credit cards? How many people have debit mm-hmm. cards? How many people have bank accounts? Yeah. Um, how many people have addresses that are secure enough where things can be shipped to? Right. And so instead of having spaces where there's multi use, multi economic, Spaces where anyone can come or anyone can share or anyone can experience. We're creating like these virtual and real spaces where people aren't going yeah. because they can't. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I am i don't know what the future. Of, I was thinking this in terms of fashion, retail, like being able to buy stuff because most people can't actually order things online. Yeah. Most of the world can't right. because they don't have internet or computers right. or electricity or credit cards or right. an address to ship it to. Mm. But everyone we know can. Yeah. <laughs> but the rest of the world, a lot of the world, really yeah. doesn't have that option. Yeah. And there's something about, you know, a parent taking their their kids to try on shoes because kids grow so fast. Mm-hmm. And you can maybe estimate or guess or you want the, okay, well, you're this age, so we'll just get you these and yeah. order them. but. I don't know. I mean, things change, so it can't be the way that it was when I was little. But yeah, I don't. I I, I don't know. I think the
0: world is going through some growing pains with globalization because it's happening so fast, and I think the systems that are in place are being upended, and it's not also clear who, how to combat it, and then of course with it comes, I guess. A certain group of people do benefit from it, mm-hmm. right? Of, mm-hmm. of the population, yeah. Right. And, and ease of, of, I guess, capitalistic satisfaction. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it all, how it plays out. I mean, I, I think about the turn of the last century and how long it took for the 20th century really to begin, and it didn't really begin until after World War One. So mm. it was like 20.
0: Nineteen,
1: Like 1918, 1919. Yeah. That's like when the 20th century started. Yeah. And I feel like maybe the 21st century started now.
0: Post-Trump,
3: hopefully.
1: I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's taken, It's it's feels like maybe the 21st century started. Yeah. But the 21st century feels kind of like the 18th century. <laughs> it yeah. It's like we're, we should be... Doing smarter things as a world. I think, well, someone posted something on Instagram. Do you want, like asking black people, like, do you want white privilege or or do you want liberation? You you posted this as a question. No, someone, Uh, uh, someone uh, uh, did. Um, Do you want black? Do you, do you want white privilege or do you want liberation? Okay. So the idea that all of that would be dismantled the sense of or even the the, even the idea of this mythology of like whiteness and blackness Mm -hmm. and all this stuff Mm -hmm. that you would then really truly have that liberation would look like understanding that race is human race right right. this understanding and dismantling of this myth yeah because and just all these different things and i think that because we're so stuck on this hierarchical model that I feel that the fear that white people are expressing some white people are expressing is the idea that who's going to replace who's going to be at the bottom of the list you know who's going to be the the disenfranchised group because yeah. there has to be one right yeah. because that's how that's how societies work
2: yeah.
1: um not understanding that that is not that's not how societies have to work yeah. a hierarchical structure doesn't work in nature it's circular so that no one has to be at the bottom and no one has to be at the top. That you don't have to have this mythology, this this mythological whiteness to exist in order for you to be important or valuable, mm-hmm. but that you're part of this human family Yeah. and we're all valuable and we're all important. It's like we're all cute. You know, like I yeah, said, yeah, you think you're yeah. cute? Yeah, I do. I think you are too. Yeah, I love So that. that's it. But did, you know, how, like, how do you get someone to understand that hierarchy need not exist when their whole existence and even spirituality is based on hierarchy and imbalance with, you know, the cosmos. Mm -hmm. So that's the challenge, I think. Like,
0: And all of history has been based off a hierarchy, right?
1: A lot of it, a lot of it, but... I still think a lot of it has to do with misreading and mm. a lot of the, uh, a lot of the cultures and history that isn't, isn't written that way. Right. I mean, there is, I don't think we would be here as human beings if we were so hierarchical mm. across the board for. So I feel like a lot of this is pretty new. Mm. I feel like the, the, the only, like in the last, probably the last few hundred years, mm. But I do feel that this sense of, like you can have hierarchical structures where maybe a shaman or a witch gets more power or or influence or something than than other people. But again, with the idea that, but it's a circular structure Mm -hmm. and I'm only one part of that. Mm. Um, But the more I learn about different histories and cultures and spiritual beliefs, and even whether it's food, whatever it is, I see a lot of, of of balance hmm. and 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 you know we talk about biomimicry which is you know just being inspired by nature. Well, that's every almost every group <laughs> besides a eurocentric viewpoint. Yeah, and even yeah. a lot of the Euro, a lot of European cultures was that way. I mean, your European cultures aren't inherently bad. It's just that with you start applying you start developing this sense of what of whiteness and capitalism gone amok and all these different things and then you add that the transatlantic slave trade then you start getting into like okay then what are y'all doing yeah you know um so that's the, the that's where the problem comes in right but i think if every group or cult or people were kind of was like well, let's just go back to the beginning of this and where does this start from and then you start getting into the things that are more in balance hmm. rather than the structures, whether they're religion, economic, whatever, spirituality. Yeah. You start to see a little bit more balance. Right. Hopefully, we can get back to that. Yeah. As a species. If not, I mean, the earth will will, will be fine without us. So yeah. <laughs> if, if we can't figure out the earth, we'll, we'll be fine without us. Right.
0: I mean, I think, yeah, I think what you're, as I understand it, I think you're going back to just, I guess, the idea of. Whiteness as defined by slavery.
1: Yeah. Right? Well, Well, the whole idea that you had to create that in order to justify slavery yeah. in your mindset. Yeah. Because it didn't exist before that. Right, right. 'Cause otherwise you had a lot of white on white on white crime yeah. all over Europe. <laughs> if, you know, so the, but like you said, it wasn't based on that because there was no
3: Right.
0: It was like con- of it was conquering of other nations. Of other nations. Like Ro- it was someone the Greek, who had the Romans. Yeah. Someone who had yeah. something
1: that you needed or wanted. Right. The British were slaves. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just every, almost yeah. every group of some had, but nothing quite like the way the transatlantic slave trade was, because then it was suddenly like you, you are a different species, yeah. hence the term race. Right. You are a different race. Right. Or like legally three fifths a person. Um, I mean, that's just madness. That's, that's psychotic. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunately still the way people think about and, and, and. I, the way I feel like I'm being treated in society when I'm not getting, I'm still paying the same rights and responsibilities and taxes as anyone else, but I'm not getting the same protections under the law because I'm black and a woman. So that's, and it's based on, on, on mythology, but it's literally kills people. So that's where the problem comes in
0: and divine's culture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Based on something that doesn't exist. So.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks for talking with me. Yeah, that's fun. Do you have anything else you want to add? Um. Where people can find you?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That part. Um if yeah. You want. So yeah, no, That's always a good thing this, to to do. I should I should always do that. So um, it's a dia dega, which is i d i a d e g a. And it's a diadega.com. On Instagram, it's a diadega fashion. And on Twitter, it's a diadega. And that's pretty much. And then my, my city paper column is on city paper. And um, my Twitter, my writing Twitter is tereneh152xx. T-E-R-E-N-E-H What's
0: one five two xx?
1: One five two is a Pittsburgh zip code. Oh right. And XX okay. is like wherever. In wherever. The oh, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Because right. I'm writing for the city for the city mm. paper, so I figured I'd keep it geographically yeah, yeah. focused.
0: Yeah. That's smart.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Taranay.
1: Yeah. Thank you. This is fun.
0: Seeing Color is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Ziyuan Chung. Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website, www.seeingcolorpod.com, or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Seeing Color Pod. If you enjoyed this show, please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and give Seeing Color a five-star review. This really helps others discover the show and provides greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.